Hi, this is Corey Turner, and along with my wife Simone, we are the senior pastors of Numa Church. I wanted to thank you for listening to our podcast today. You're about to hear a message from one of our team that we pray builds your faith and empowers you to follow Jesus more closely. Enjoy the message. Hallelujah. Please take your seats. Well, it's good to be at Numa, Melbourne West. We've all had a break. We've all had a holiday. We're back into it now. And uh, here we are, second week into our seven-week series. I'm wondering if we could have a go at naming all of these seven values. Prayer fuels power. We know that was last week. God's Word is our foundation. That's this week. What's another one? Love gives generously. Pardon? Miracles are normal. Church is coming to family. Freedom is a responsibility. And making disciples not an option. Well done. Give yourselves a hand. Oh, it's fantastic. Way to go. Way to go. That, that is unbelievable. Well, God's Word is our foundation. I want to read from uh, Matthew chapter 7. So if you can turn your Bibles there, I'll be reading from the ESV Translation, Matthew chapter 7, verses 24 to 27, when Jesus actually talked about foundations. And so I thought, seeing God's Word is our foundation, and Jesus talked about His Word being our foundation, that we should actually talk about God's Word being our foundation from that passage where He talked about His Word is our foundation. Amen? You don't, please don't ever repeat that to anyone. So everyone then, so we're from verse 24 to 27. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them. What are these words he's talking about? Well, he's talking about the Sermon on the Mount, which he's just preached. He's preached about a whole bunch of things that were ethics, were moral, were Old Testament and New Testament, the fulfilment of the, uh, of the law. He talked about the Beatitudes, which is how we be. That's what they call Beatitudes. The poor in spirit, those who mourn, the meek, the hungry, the thirsty, the pure in heart, and all of those. He talked about us being salt and light and, uh, in, in the world as the church. He talked about the fulfilment of the law and obeying the law, uh, obeying God's word, living according to God's word. He talked about uh, murder. He talked about not being angry in your heart. He talked about adultery, not having unclean thoughts in your heart. He talked about divorce only for those who were unfaithful. He talked about all of their issues that they were trying to get around. He spoke about behaviour and he talked about heart. He talked about an eye for an eye is what they did in the Old Testament, but Jesus said, turn the other cheek. He's teaching a whole different paradigm. He's talking about loving your enemies. He's talking about praying for your enemies, forgiving your enemies. He talked about giving to the needy. He talked about giving and praying and fasting. We don't like that fasting bit, um, but we have, to, we have to sometimes. He talked about treasures in heaven. He talked about finances, loving your finances or loving heaven, storing up treasures in heaven as opposed to in our bank account. He talked about not worrying, not being anxious. He talked about not judging others. He talked about seeking and knocking and pursuing God. He talked about the fact that to go with God is a narrow path. To go the other way is very broad. 
He talked about the tree and its fruit, and he talked about false prophets, and you can see them by their fruit. He talked about those entering the kingdom who think they're prophesying in his name and doing all signs and wonders, but they don't know him. And here we come to the wise and foolish builders passage. So when, when Jesus begins saying this, everyone then, who because he, he's talking to people who have just listened to him preach what we have as Matthew 5, 6 and 7, the Sermon on the Mount as we know it. Everyone who hears these words of mine, for us, because we have the fuller revelation, the apostles have written down all of Jesus' teaching, well, a lot of Jesus' teaching, and, and, and an explanation of Jesus' teaching, they are these words to us today in the 21st century. So everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on rock, and the rain fell. And the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. It wasn't just a mild storm. This is like a three-pronged storm, a three-pronged attack. The rain fell, the floods came, the winds blew on that house, and it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. The rock was established in the doing and the practicing of Jesus' teaching. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against the house, and it fell, and great was the fall. As Jesus is talking in first century Israel, which we call Palestine today, a very, very sandy location. We don't have such sandy places very much, at least in our suburbs here. Sometimes we have to reinforce uh, reinforce the ground, but in most of our locations, we don't have sandy ground. Over there, if you would build up on the mountains where it's rocky, you're solid as a rock and the, the winds and the storms and the rain, they can, they can pelt until the cows come home, but the house is going to stand. But if you build down on the plateau on the, or down by the rivers, and the rivers even come up, and the, and the, and the sand just any amount of rain, and it just washes away, and great is the fall. Great is the fall, Jesus said, about the person, because he's not talking about houses, he's talking about our lives. Your life, my life, their lives. So he's talking about these wise people. The word wise has a sense of being prudent. You want to be wise? Listen into this. You want to be prudent, thoughtful, discerning, marked by the exercise of good judgment. That's a wise person or who has common sense in practical matters. The problem with common sense today is it's not that common. <laughs> so what makes somebody wise? Well, normally simple obedience, putting Jesus' teaching into practice. Wisdom is not defined by the amount of knowledge. It's not defined by your IQ. It's not defined about how long you have been a Christian. Wisdom is defined... By putting into practice however much or however little you have heard of Jesus' teaching. That's wisdom. You can be a young person and wiser than an older person. In the natural, naturally speaking, wiser people are older because they have experience, they've lived life, they have perspective. But in the kingdom, wisdom equates to obeying Jesus' teaching. And if you want to be wise, put Jesus' teaching into practice.
If you want to be a fool, and Jesus talked about the foolish builder, built the same house for all intents and purposes. No difference between the builders other than the way they built, which determined whether they were wise or foolish. You know what the Greek word, the New Testament word for this fool is? Moron. I kid you not. I kid you not. I kid you not. <laughs> I looked this up in the, my Greek New Testament. I just laughed. You, if, you don't, if you don't do what Jesus said, you're a moron. <laughs> I'm, I'm just telling you what it says. <laughs> I'm not calling you anyone here a moron. I'm just telling you, if, if someone hears the teachings of Jesus and doesn't put it into practice, they're a, they're a what? <laughs> I think we just just laugh a little bit so I can compose myself. It's not a reference to IQ. This is a foolish person who is plain down stupid. I don't normally call people stupid, but I'm just trying to define the word for us so we get a concept. Someone who doesn't listen to Jesus' teaching and put into practice is just stupid. Just a moron. It's like, like, what are you thinking? Because it's your life that's at stake. That's the point. Your foundations. You can build your life how you like, but the storms will come. And the storms will reveal your foundations. They will come. No one is exempt from the storms of life. No one. Every house will be tested. It won't be tested by a little, little gust here and there. It'll be tested by a three-pronged attack. Rain fell, floods came, and the winds blew and beat it. The winds just didn't blow, they beat it. And life does that to us sometimes, doesn't it? It beats us. And sometimes it beats us to a pulp. And the wise person who doesn't put the teachings of Jesus into practice is not prepared. The house can look the same as the house on rock. My life can look like someone else's life. Your life can look like someone else's life. But no one's going to know who's going to stand until the rains come, the storms come, and the winds blew and beat you. And if you practice Jesus' teaching, you put it into practice, your life will stand. You will be strong. If you want to know what wise and fool is in the biblical sense, read through the book of Proverbs. It says, get wisdom, get understanding, get knowledge. Talks a lot about wise people and foolish people, but we don't have time for that today. So the, the, the concept of wise and foolish people is also central to the parable of the ten virgins, the ten bridesmaids. Ten came, five came prepared, five did not come prepared for when he came. And Jesus is also talking about his second coming. We need to be prepared for when he comes. Jesus also said, he that endures to the end will be saved. We think we're saved now and we're being saved and we need to work out our salvation with fear and trembling, but he that endures to the end, Jesus said, will be saved because some may well fall away if their lives come crashing down because they have no foundations. It's not rocket science. It's simple obedience. It's simple obedience. We find this same parable slightly uh, changed by, by Luke in Luke's gospel. In Luke 6, 46, 49, um, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and you don't do what I tell you? 
He begins this same parable by those words. Luke has just summarised the Sermon on the Mount in, in one chapter. He took three chapters and put it into one. And he says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I tell you? So what is the Lord? Well, Lord is the supreme leader. He's the one that gets to say. Many, many, many years ago, I don't know if you know Dr. Alan Meyer, who has ministered. Has he preached here? Not yet? Oh, you. Well, he, he, he led me to the Lord 40 years ago. We were, we were on the way to a John Wimber conference in 1989. It's like 30 years ago. I didn't think I'd ever get that old where I could ever say, 30 years ago, somebody told me. <laughs> but it was 30 years ago and I was 30 then. So we're, we're talking about what makes somebody a Christian. How do you know if someone's a Christian? And he said, it's simple. When their will is one thing and the will of God is the, uh, another thing, they choose to do God's will. They put his will into practice. They put his teaching into practice. When they want to do something else, they do what God wants. That's what a Lord is. And when we find in our Western churches, many people compromising their Christian lives, not really following the teachings of Jesus, and there are lots of reasons for that, you've got to wonder, is he saviour only to get a ticket to heaven, or is he Lord? He's got to be our Lord. Then he says, everyone who comes to me and hears my words and does them, I will show you what he's like. He's like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream broke against the house and, and could not shake it because it had, been built, it had been well built. Nearly speaking in tongues there, sorry. <laughs> but the one who hears and does not do them is like a man who built a house on ground without foundation when the streams broke against it of course we're in palestine where it is pretty sandy so even the rising tide of a of a river bank can wash water away without the storms an undercurrent can wash away your house whatever undercurrent that might be when the storm when the stream broke against it it immediately fell and the ruin of that house was great. Can I have a can I have those uh, couple of slides up, please? Year before last, uh, the other one first. Oh, the one on the left. So the one on the left, I drove a truck. I was in between ministry seasons, and I got a job driving a truck. We had to pay the mortgage. Money doesn't grow on trees. <laughs> so I drove a truck. I was a truckie. I was a bloke, I wore my vest, I had a helmet, I was a truckie. Yeah, that's the truck there. And I delivered steel reinforcement to large construction sites, mainly multi-storey uh, around the city and all over. I did some out here. And uh, in the, con the, the, the concrete is the strength of a building, but the steel is the strength of the concrete. So... The, build, the building site on the right is in Glen Hutley Road in Cor around Caulfield. That's, that's a hole in the ground. About five or six, seven, eight storeys or something. I delivered there when they had dug down as far as they were going to dig. They were going to go up about ten storeys uh, above that. And to go up, you've got to go down. And so... 
They've got cranes there to lift the stuff off trucks and things so they can swivel it around and drop it down. They, all the machinery they drove down, see this, uh, there's a, um, uh, a ramp of sand down on the right. I, got, I had to get pushed up there because I didn't have traction quite a number of times. But I delivered it. Uh, inside there, they drive down piling rigs. Once they've dug down to where they're going to dig, they, they dig big cylindrical holes with this huge drill called a piling rig. They pour concrete in and then steal Rio. So they build strong foundations on the ground, but they, they build stronger foundations into the ground and into the sides. See those little black dots on the concrete there? They are 15 metre, um, they drill in there and they put something in there, like one of those things you drill into a wall and when you screw it, it tightens out. They do that and it holds the concrete blocks there. So they secure the building to the wall and under the ground. Solid ass. And they're not even go, it's not even a skyscraper. Because they know that the stronger the foundations, the stronger the building. The stronger the foundations, the stronger the building. And we're not talking about buildings today, we're talking about your life and my life. The storms that come against us will reveal the foundations on which we have built our lives, and they will come. Here's an interesting passage that the brother of Jesus, the Apostle James, wrote. Having understood this, this is what James said to, uh, to the people that he, the church he was writing to in James chapter 1, verse 22, 23, 24 there. Be, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. So if you don't put the teachings in, so let's put in the positive. If you hear the teachings of Jesus and you put in a practice, you call him Lord, you act as if he's your Lord, and you're not under deception. If you hear the teachings of Jesus and don't put in a practice, then he's not Lord, or you've got to wonder if he's Lord. He wonders if he's Lord. And we are deceived. We are self-deceived. And James explains what he means by this. He says, if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man. There's a little bottle top rolling around. I thought it was a cricket <laughs> or a cockroach. If anyone, cockroaches are not allowed here in Jesus' name. <laughs> if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like this. He's like a man who looks intently at his own natural face in the mirror. For he looks into the perfect law. The perfect law is God's word. The perfect law, the law of liberty. The law that brings liberty. The word of God brings freedom. We look into the word of God and when we obey it, it brings us freedom. But the one who licks, looks at it and doesn't do it is like the man who looks at his natural face in the mirror. But he forgets what he looks like, and he walks away. He forgets what he looks like, but the doer acts and is blessed by his doing. So here's the, here's the challenge for us. We have to read the scriptures daily. We have to meditate on them. We have to study, on, study them. We have to look up what they mean. We have to look up words like fool and learn not to be a moron. You know? 
We have to pray about the Word of God. We have to get it into our hearts, and we've got to read it and read it and read it and read it and read it until it reads us. Because when we look in the mirror of the Word of God, we want it to speak to us about our foundations, about our life, about what we're doing and what we're not doing, so that we can do it in the way that He wants us to do it, so that our foundations get built so that our lives are based on the word, not on opinion, not on this world, not on what we think, not what we feel, not what we would like. We are in a very self-centered, I'm not talking about you, we're in a self-centered, egotistical, pleasure-filled culture. That's the Western culture, instant gratification. That's where we are and everybody wants instant everything and it's, you know, it's all about me, you know. I'm thinking, I'm, I'm going to channel Shannon Noel. What about me? Well, was that okay? Yeah, it's all right. I don't fear, I will never be in the worship team. <laughs> Stand here, face this way, <laughs> so you don't hear me. But what about me? I mean, that's it. I did it my way. Frank Sinatra for the older ones among us, you know? Yeah, so you hear that, brother. Frank Sinatra. <laughs> the houses were the same. For all intents and purposes, the men building were the same. The houses were subjected to the same storms. But there was only one difference, the foundations. And the foundations are built not by knowing the word, not by hearing the word, but by practicing the word, which is daily decisions, choices, sacrifices, when I want to go that way, but the Word of God says go this way, then I go this way. Many years ago, I had probably one of these three-pronged storms attack me where my sister passed away under terrible circumstances and my mother left my father the day after we buried my sister. I lost my dad. I never saw him again. I lost my sister and my dad in one hit. In one week. At the same time, my health was crumbling because of the pressure and the, and, the, and the pain of this. I had chest pains in my chest so severe I thought an elephant was sitting on me. It felt, it sort of felt that, I, I, I thought I was going to burst. I, I think I knew I wasn't going to, but I felt like it, the pain and the pressure of this. And then I took a ministry, actually moving from the ministry I had here in St Albans up to New South Wales and it was an absolute unmitigated disaster and I was in and out in six months. I suffered from deep depression, I had chest pains for two years every waking moment, I had stomach pains, headaches, sleeplessness, um, all sorts of physical ailments as well as the depression and uh, you know questioning everything, my mind was doing all sorts of mental gymnastics. It was terrible. The storms, the wind, the rain, everything. Bang, bang, bang. And it beat. And it beat. And it beat. A lot of my friends asked me why I'm still in the ministry. Genuinely asked me. Because they knew what I'd gone through, and I, especially when I you know, explained a lot of the details of things. They wondered why I was still in the ministry because we all know people in the ministry that have gone through perhaps one, one of those three 
and just crash and just, you know, get a factory job for the rest of their life and life's too hard. And I just continue to do what the word says. I didn't do it in my own strength. I had no strength. For a season, this was my... So my, my daily ritual, I get up at five. I, my devotions are till eight o'clock in the morning. I pray and, and read the word and study the word for three hours most days. Then my prayer would be, Father, help me. God, help me. I didn't even know what to pray other than that. I have lived for 40 years in this and studied it and studied it and read it and meditated on it. I didn't even know how to open it. I would open it like it's full of blank pages. Nothing would make sense. I, I couldn't even read a word. I just, that's how devastated I was. But I had lived this word, not perfectly. And we're not talking about sinless perfection here. I used to every day choose when the word of God says something, that's what I'm doing. So I had to forgive my dad for the things he had done to my sister, the cause had been alcoholic, the cause to her death. I had to forgive my pastor friend who within weeks thought I was, he invited me to come and be his associate and then got paranoid that I was going to take his job. After the elders offered me his job and I rejected it, he wanted me out of there. So I had to forgive him. I had to reconcile. There were things I had to do. I had to believe that my life is still in Jesus' hands. I believed it. I never doubted that. So every decision I had to make, when the Word of God said, this is what you do, regardless of how I felt, regardless of my perspective, regardless of what, what my circumstances were telling me, that's what I did. And I'm not, I am average on everything. Average on everything. I'm no spiritual superstar. I'm not telling you this because of that. I'm simply telling you, we can all do that. Because we have the same Holy Spirit helping us. We've got the same God helping us. And the foundations go deep. And, and I, once, once the, it took five years and the Lord healed me and strengthened me. And then I took on a role at, uh, as an executive pastor at Crossway Baptist Church. It was about 4,000 people. And the counselling centre there invited me to a retreat. And, and I shared my story and uh, how what happened and the depths I went to and how the Lord healed me and restored me and the lessons that I learned. And then when I finished sharing, one of their lead counsellors leaned forward in his chair and said, so did you get angry at God? Very common for Christians to get angry at God when things don't go their way. I said, no. He looked at me like you're all looking at me now. That's not enough of an answer. What do you mean? You, you didn't get angry at God? said no and he's looking at me like you're looking at me now that's not enough of an answer and then he asked me a third time you didn't get angry at God and I'm wondering whether I should ask him which part of no didn't you get the N or the O <laughs> but I didn't because I'm a gracious man so I asked him why would I be angry at God and he's like, sits back in his chair, he's like, how could you even ask such a question? I said, he said, because you, you told us that after your sister and all that, you went up to New South Wales and you took that ministry and you believe God led you up there and, and to get all that pain and suffering as a result of being called into something God called you to. God caused that. I said, yes. 
You didn't get angry at God? I'm about to slap him now. <laughs> no, I didn't. Well, why would I get angry at God? And they all look at me like I'm a m- moron, you know. <laughs> they look like um, something wrong with me. And there was plenty wrong with me, but not that. I said, here's how I live my life. The scripture says that God is my father and he loves me. He is incapable of sinning against me or doing something that will do me harm. And if I suffer, there are plenty of biblical pictures of Christians and God's people suffering for the sake of purging, for the sake of gold rising to the top, getting rid of the dross, for the sake of uh, learning more, for the sake of strengthening, for the sake of purifying. If I suffer and God either allows it or orchestrates it, I'm okay with that. Because my life is in his hands. So why would I be angry? I'm not angry at God when everything's going well. Why should I be angry at the same God who acts the same way, who loves me the same amount when things aren't going well? So I walk the same way with the limp and sometimes on my knees, sometimes on all four, sometimes with a lot of tears, sometimes with a lot of help. But I walk the same way. And I'm still walking. Not because I'm any better than anyone else. Not because I'm Jesus or God or I'm some super Spiro. I'm not like super anything. I'm not even super smart. I just read and study a lot and then put it into practice. And, 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 and one of the reasons that, 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 that a lot of the feedback that I have had from my teaching, particularly in college and from Pastor Corey, who was one of my students way back many years ago, is that I, I study for myself so that I can know what God's word says so I know how to live it. I don't study to teach. I don't prepare sermons to preach. I study to learn. And then I teach. And because I love the people I'm trying to teach and encourage, I'm not teaching them, I'm not passionate about teaching. I'm passionate about people learning God's word and walking in it. That's, that's bottom line for me. And that's why God's word is my foundation. Is, is it your foundation? I pray God's word is your foundation. You know, we, uh, I want to finish with this. Our time's up. Um, neuroscientists tell us we have two memories. Have I told you this? You might have heard it in, at, 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 in the city campus. Uh, I went to a... a, a a movement leaders conference in, in New York last year. We had a, a lecture given by someone who either taught or studied at Harvard University, like Brainiac. She said that her area of expertise was neuroscience and education. She said that neuroscientists have discovered we have two memories. One memory is in the prefrontal cortex of the brain, the front part of the brain, and it's called semantic memory. You tell me something and I remember it, that's where it goes. I read something, that's where it goes. I hear a lecture or a sermon, that's where it goes. There's another type of memory called the autobiographical memory. The autobiographical memory is experiential memory. I go and do something, we go and do something together, we experience something together, that's where it goes. We learn how to do something and and that's where it goes into our autobiographical memory. When Jesus teaches 
and we hear his words but we don't put them into practice, they go into our, auto, uh, our semantic memory. When we put Jesus' teaching into practice, we put that into our autobiographical memory because we experience it. Now, my theological question for Jesus is this. If we've only heard sermons or we've only read the Bible and we haven't put into practice, when the storms of life come, why then can't we put them into practice and withstand the storms? Because you can't put anything into practice from your semantic memory. If it's not in your autobiographical memory, you don't have it in your arsenal. It's too late then. Your foundations are in what you are able to do, not in what you know. And that is a great challenge for all of us, isn't it? So every day we have our one devotion, don't we? Have we launched one life here? We talk next week. Oh, I better not do any precursor. When we get up in the morning or when you do your devos in the afternoon or in the evening, and you read the scriptures and you pray. You have that time with the Lord, that time dedicated to learn of Him. Read the Word, study the Word, talk to the Lord about the Word. Read it and read it and read it until it reads you. So that when you read it, it's a mirror to you. It's not a far distant book of concepts or history or laws. It's your Father's document to you about your life. I, 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 read, I read my Word. And when I read my Word, I'm reading my Father's personal letter to me. And I love it. It's not a book I have to read. It's a book I love reading because there's life in it. Because when I do it, it builds strength in me. It builds foundations in my life that no other thing can do. I want you just to close your eyes and stay seated where you are. I'm not going to ask you to come forward for prayer or uh, admit you don't have foundations or you've just been a hearer and not a doer or whatever. I'm just going to ask you to have a moment with the Lord. And I want you to think about how long you've been a Christian. How much of the Word of God you've read and heard and learnt and how much of it you're not putting into practice? And say, Father, today I want to change. Today I want to learn to put into practice like never before. Would you help me? Would you help me build those foundations in my life so when the storms of life come, my house, my life will not fall down. It will not be washed away. It will not disappear. Father, the storms that come against us will reveal our foundations. And our prayer today is, Father, that you would help us build them stronger and deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper, which means we've got to dig. We've got to dig into the Word. We've got to understand the Word. We've got to learn how to live it. And with your help, we will live it and we will be strong in you so that we can be strong for others. Father, help us, we pray in Jesus' name. Thank you for joining us for this message today. 
We don't assume that every person listening has a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. And so today, we invite you to begin following Jesus as your Lord and Saviour. The Bible teaches that every one of us has been created for a relationship with God. Sin has separated us from that relationship, but God loved us so much that He gave us His one and only Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus lived, died, and rose again, conquering sin, Satan, and death itself. If we believe in our hearts that God has raised Jesus from the dead, and we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord, we will be saved. So if you are ready to pray in faith, turning away from your sin and believing in Jesus for your salvation, please pray this prayer. Dear Jesus, I believe that you are the Son of God and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse my heart from all of my sin. I receive by faith the free gift of eternal life and I ask that you would fill me with the Holy Spirit. I thank you that I am born again as a child of God and that you have made me a new creation in Christ Jesus. In Jesus' name I pray, Amen. If you have prayed that prayer for the first time, we would love to know and help connect you to a local church in your area. You can contact us on our website, numa.church. Thank you for listening.